Welcome to episode 70 of the IU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. Today we visit with former Eastern Illinois running back Ron Jordan. Jordan played football for the Panthers in the late 2000 and talks about how those experiences as a member of the EIU football team helped shape his career as an entrepreneur. He currently runs Jordan Hospitality and was recently featured in Inside Indiana Business Magazine about his franchise opportunities with the Donato's Pizza Restaurants. We explore several topics, including how he got into the food business on today's episode. We are now in season two of EIU Panthers podcast. You can listen to any of our previous episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Simply search EIU Panthers podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. Want to learn more about broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. Winter sports are in full swing and spring sports are just around the corner. Home games for both EIU basketball teams are on tap this weekend at first midcourt at Lance Arena, while the Panthers track teams, swim teams, and tennis teams will be in action on the road. Be sure to visit us online at eiupanthers.com, the official website of EIU Athletics, to stay up to date on the latest news, scores, schedules, and more. You can also visit us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with former football player Ron Jordan. Hey, welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by Ron Jordan. Ron is a former EIU football player here um, in the late 2000s, played under Coach Spoo and uh, a couple of the other assistant coaches. And Ron kind of made news recently for his, his business that away from the football field, uh, he has become invested in franchising uh, several different restaurants and, and other opportunities. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to have him on here today to talk about those things, but also his experiences as a football player at Eastern. So Ron, thanks for taking some time to join us today. Absolutely, super excited to join and talk about some of the things that have happened in, the, in my life since uh, I left campus. Geez, I think it's what twelve years ago now. I've been out, so it's been, yeah, it's been, a, a, it's been a while. Sometimes I have to look back. I, I know, I know the names. I've been here long enough that I, I know the names, and I have to look back. I'm like, okay, what, what point in my time were they here? And then sometimes I always wonder, like, are they going to remember, like, me? And, and a lot of times when you get on the Zoom, which is how we record these, we only use the audio part. But a lot of times you see a face, and then you kind of re- instantly recognize the face, and then you're able to put two and two together. So like I said, appreciate yeah, you, yeah. you jumping on here. And like we said, it's been a while since you, you played football for the Panthers, but back in the, in the late two thousands, you guys had some success during yeah. your time. You were a running back for the Panthers on a couple OVC championship and, and playoff teams, I guess, just quickly take us back to, to that time. Maybe you're from Ohio originally. So I guess the, the first question is what, what attracted you to come to Eastern as a, as a young college football player? Mm-hmm. So I have a funny story about, you know, my my recruiting uh, and initiatives there at Eastern. You know, anybody that knows the, the, the late, great Coach Spoo knows that he was an old school guy and, you know, didn't do much in terms of technology and things like that when I was there. Uh, but I ended up actually being recruited very late in the process for the class of 2006. And I got recruited because I sent my, my recruiting film, my DVD at the time, which for some kids that are probably listening to this on campus, they're like, what, a DVD? Yeah. <laughs> we have huddled and everything else like that. Yeah. Well, we didn't have that then. So uh, I sent a DVD to direct to Coach Spoo. He accidentally stumbled upon it through his mail, somehow got from his admin to his desk. 
put it into his computer and actually got to see me. And back then, Coach Spoo was heavily involved in coaching the running backs. Um, really liked what I had to offer. I think they had a late drop in terms of our class coming in, a couple late drops. Had some spots open and offered me a scholarship when I came to town right before the signing period. My, my official visit date, uh, which was my first visit in general, was the last weekend of January uh, leading up to signing day. Back then we had this traditional signing day uh, the first week of February, first Tuesday of February. So uh, that was that was my story. That's how I ended up at Eastern. Um, was super excited because I didn't have a ton of offers coming out. I was undersized guy, though I was fast. Um, didn't get a lot of looks from a lot of major schools, got a lot of preferred walk-on opportunities, but, you know, I wanted a scholarship and, and, and coach Bob Spook gave me that opportunity. So it was really cool that I, I got to do that, got to campus and, and really learned a ton, grew and, and it's, it's kind of molded and shaped the foundation that I built my business on today. Uh, all those, all those times I spent there in Charleston and Mattoon and doing some fun stuff while I was in school, um, was, was essential to what I do day to day now. Now you talked about you, the fact that you're undersized, and and from a running back perspective, you're the you you are. I think I think we had you listed maybe at five ten, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. Back back then, not even close to accurate, Rich. Not even close. <laughs> but that may, that may be the generous height then that we give you. But I know yes. running back is a is a speed position as well. We've got a running back on our team right now that is probably very similar to to you, and the very quick, very shifty, but a smaller guy that kind of can play more of a versatile out of the backfield type thing. When you came in, yeah, you had some big power backs. They had Adam Olad and Iggy, who is a big power back that would run through the middle. So did they kind of feel that your role would be to complement him and kind of, you know, have that inside outside type of attack? Well, it's funny because I actually came in in uh, the senior season of Vincent Webb, who just got recently in, in, inducted into you all's Hall of Fame. So V. Webb was uh, the, the 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 granddaddy in the room at the time and the starter coming off of the I think he had like a 15 or 1600 yard season prior to that when they made a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, so he was the one that was kind of the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, he, he was the one that was was kind of setting forth the agenda for the for the group. Uh, and it's funny because this is actually a, 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 I don't have many regrets, but this is one I had is at the time I was brought in for my speed. I was a 42940 guy. Uh, I was 185 pounds soaking wet and I was 5'6 on a good day, not okay. anywhere near 5'10, <laughs> right? Uh, but what was cool is I, I came into a running back room where there was Adam Ola, Adam EG, there was Norris Smith Jr., who was a big 230 pound back. You know, we had uh, tra uh, Travaris Bess, who was a, sh a smaller, shiftier guy like myself. We had me, we had uh, Lawrence Cannon, who had transferred in. We had a, quite a few guys that were in that room. So it was very crowded. Uh, and it was it was actually funny because Coach Spoo wanted to get the ball in my hand. And it was me and uh, I believe John Gadsden, who were both 2006 entries that came in that with, with high speed and, and decent hands. And they gave me an opportunity uh, during camp, the first day of camp, to actually be a wide receiver kind of like Adam Kessler was. I don't know if you remember Adam, yep, yep. Um, but Adam and I were very similar in size. I was a lot faster than Adam, but yeah, he might be remiss to admit that, but <laughs> <laughs> I was a little faster than Adam, but they wanted me to be wide receiver. And I was hell bent on doing my own thing, being a running back. And I stuck to it. Uh, but in hindsight, I mean, getting the ball in my hand probably would have been a better opportunity. Uh, so that was some of, some of that. So coming into it, yes, we were going to be compliments to some of the power backs that we had, but they really saw me in a slot position at that time. Um, uh, Munoz was our offensive coordinator. And, and during that period of time, uh, it was, it was the inside run and, and spread it out, throw it around the yard. You know, we had Mike Donato at quarterback and then Cole Stinson had come in my freshman year as well. 
uh, and we were we were we were throwing it around like crazy. In addition to running it, so they wanted to try to get me out in space, and you know me being bullheaded like I was at that time, which was a, a lesson that I learned at Eastern is to sometimes let the game come to you yep. rather than trying to force it yourself. Um, you know, I, I wanted to stay in that running back room, so then I ended up actually uh, planning to redshirt. Uh, they put me on that and, and on that path. I had a decent camp, uh, but I went into it's a season redshirting to the uh, U of I game. And I think you remember that U of I game. We came out of that battered and bruised like yeah. nobody's business. You know, we we, we lost Clint Sellers for the season. Uh, I think Lucius got hurt during that game. I want to say Tristan Burge got hurt during that game. And uh, it was just a challenge. And then we had, I believe it was Illinois State the following weekend. And I was at home uh, for the weekend. It was, it was Labor Day weekend. And uh, that that very Monday, uh, I got called into the office to burn my red shirt to travel to uh, Sanford at the time to become a special teams guy. So now I became a return specialist. Uh, and that's kind of how I got my playing time initially was, you know, getting on the field from, you know, some mop up time my freshman year during uh, with with being a running back and then mainly the focus in uh, a kick return um, punt. I was a gunner and, um, you know, uh, kickoff as a kickoff down the field specialist and then into my sophomore season. Uh, there were some injuries and I got a great opportunity and I, I did great in Indiana state. I had a couple of carries 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then after that game, I was, I was kind of splitting time, me and Mola and we went into SEMO. I had a great game, 116 yards rushing. Mola got to score cause I didn't finish the plays. <laughs> uh, so that was the big thing I remember, but then I got hurt. I had a high ankle sprain and that kept me out the next four weeks. And from there, I just had a bunch of injuries, you know, leading up to when I left. So that was kind of my time at, at Eastern, but what I did learn was, what I could do off the field uh, to produce the same type of uh, production I expected on the field. Uh, and that's kind of what's carried me into my current position today. So a lot of discipline I learned early on with those early mornings and late nights uh, over there at O'Brien Field. So <laughs> O'Brien Stadium. Now you talk about that. I mean, it, it's interesting when I, I, we've done this now, this is the second year of us doing the, the podcast and a lot of people, a lot of the student athletes come back to the how they've been successful and what they're doing now is the discipline, the routine they learned as, as a student athlete, the, the having to make sure that that you're up early in the morning to go either to a treatment or a, you know, to a meal or a workout or a lift, or in some cases, a, you know, a practice and how that then at the same time, then have to motivate yourself to balance your academics. And, you know, since you've become successful here, you evidently realize that football was a path to earn your degree, not necessarily a path of what you were going to do for a profession. So I guess, how did that, uh, how did those lessons, I guess, that you learned there kind of then carry over to what you, some of the things that you did post EIU? Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you, I had a very rude awakening at Eastern, right? Um, I have a big family, so I was super homesick and it was really tough for me in my first semester being away from home. And even in my second semester, it was, but I'll tell you, I, I coped with that by going out, having a good time and partying Monday through Sunday, right? And you know how it can be at Eastern. It can be a good time, right? And that's not the lesson that we want to learn. But, you know, I got in, I got in a bit of, of a pinch and I had some, some, some classes I dropped in, uh, in order not to fail some of those courses. Um, I think it was macroeconomics at the time that I dropped, which was, you know, right in the middle of the semester, dropped me down to 12 credit hours, put me in a tough spot. I tried to take on a bunch and I shouldn't have early on, but what it taught me was I need to take it serious. I need to get serious. I had to go to summer school after my freshman year. And it was after that point in time uh, when I believe the athletic department made a major investment 
in the student athlete academic center that's right there connected to Lance. Yep. I don't know if it's still there or, or not, but I know at the time, I don't know if you remember that, but that was, you know, when they constructed that whole thing. And, you know, uh, it was Cindy, it was Miss Cindy that really, you know, gave me a, uh, I don't know if Cindy's still there yep, or not. I haven't. <laughs> okay. So Miss Cindy was the one that told me her and, um, oh man, Gabe Pullman, I think was his name at the time, who are our academic advisors. I'm really good with names, if you can tell. <laughs> from back in the day, uh, uh, don't quiz me on anybody I've met recently, but yeah. from then I can remember everybody's name. But they told me like, Ron, you need to get it together. You need to figure out what you want to do. I was undeclared. I thought I had, you know, it all figured out. And it turned on for me, the light did after that summer school session when I was like, okay, I got to start to take this serious. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play in the league. I'm not going to be a guy that's going to go and do more things from an athletic perspective. So let's get an understanding of what we want. And it was really between my sophomore and junior year when the light turned on, especially it turned on initially, but I was still undeclared. I went and then I, I got some advice from the older running back group. So from Vincent Webb and from Norris Smith, they told me, Ron, get your gen eds knocked out. Travaris told me the same thing. Figure all those out. Front load your schedule with those the first two years so you can still get an understanding of what your major is going to be. Uh, then got an understanding of, of all of that. Figured out after like nine different avenues that I was going to be a corporate comm major. Um, so I loved, I loved the fact that I fell into that uh, with a poli-sci minor. And doing that, I spent time when I moved off campus to um, Campus Point is where I moved to. Uh, I spent that summer, part of that summer, and then going into my junior year, really researching what I wanted to do. I actually created a binder. I may have it here in my office somewhere. <laughs> but I created a binder of, an, of, of terminology. And I taught myself about investment terms. I taught myself about business planning and, and really understanding st strategic thinking and, and what that next level was going to be if I wanted to be an entrepreneur one day or at least a leader in the business community. So I would I would utilize my free printing. I bought myself a three ring binder at Walmart there in, in town. And uh, I put together this thick binder that had every single classification of what you could see in business and what I could possibly anticipate. And I spent a lot of time, I reduced the partying I was doing. I had a girlfriend that went to a school in Ohio. So I'd spent time traveling back and forth there and really, really honing in on what my plan was. And I created probably four or five business plans while I was in college of things I wanted to launch eventually. None of them I'm doing today, but it taught me early on how to accept, you know, um, um, a drill that we used to do, which is called sudden change and getting an understanding of what that part looks like uh, and, and really coming up with a plan. Because a lot of times, you know, student athletes and, and kids in general, they think they have so much time, right? You know, and, you know, I'm one of those guys who'll tell you, you know, yeah, that, that time you think you have when you're 18, 19 years old quickly becomes 34 and four kids and a wife later. And that's where I'm at today, where I feel like I was just on Eastern's campus walking around, you know, yeah. you know, with, with a six pack shirtless, right? I can't do that today. I, I got the dad bod I'm sporting right now, but I will tell you it, how different it, it is in 14 years of time for me from the day I stepped on the set foot on campus to where I'm at today. So I think the transition period for me was really between that junior year and sophomore year getting that understanding, getting serious about my craft, really reaching out to some uh, alumni. Uh, Bob Glover was an alumni I reached out to who worked at Cardinal Health, getting an understanding of his career path and his ascension to uh, the vice president of uh, health systems at Cardinal Health at the time, getting to meet him and many other people within that strategic organization and learning how I could increase my who you know versus what I knew, because a lot of that is the mistake that we make. So once I did that, 
that's kind of the, the initial snowball that started rolling until where I'm at today. So that was the uh, place I found that foundation was there on campus. Now, interesting that, that you mentioned that you put together four or five business plans, as you mentioned, none of them what you're doing today. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to kind of what you're doing today here in just a minute. But you didn't get from step A to step B. There was step to, to, there was a couple steps in between. Yeah. Graduated from college. You need that first job. I know you kind of mm -hmm. went in, you worked in corporate communications and you worked for, for banks doing sales. What was that experience like and how did that maybe then prepare you to kind of get an understanding of where you guys are at now with what you're doing financially? You know, it's funny you ask that because I think everything in life is super intentional, right? And I think decisions that you make as an individual and decisions that are made because of the decisions you make, so the results that they're creating are all intentional and they have a strategic purpose. So for me, I worked at JP Morgan Chase right out of college. I was a personal banker, I was making decent money, you know, and I, I was excited, I was happy, but I had these grandiose aspirations of being an executive. And I've always been in the school of thought, if you work really, really hard and you, and you bust your butt, you get to a certain point, you can ascend quickly. Well, <laughs> you know, corporate America reminds you fast. That that's not always true, right? This is not the, uh, this is not the, uh, the, the, the sport of football. This is life. And there's a process for everything. I learned at Chase, when I reached out, I, I didn't know I was doing something wrong, but it was about a year in. I sent an email at the time to Ryan McInerney. Ryan McInerney uh, went on to run Visa. Um, he was he was a crazy successful young executive. He was 34 or five, I think at the time, same age I am right around here. Uh, now I reached out to him via email and I skipped like eight rungs on the ladder. He was the VP of senior vice president of retail reporting right to Jamie Dimon. And I realized I made a lot of people upset when I, I created some waves. I just wanted to, to, I was going to propose to my wife. I wanted to sit down, bend the guy's ear, talk to him about his career path and get an understanding of how he got there because that's how we did it in football, right? Yeah. We sat down with coaches and families and teammates and we understood how you got to where you were. Well, I quickly learned after I got slapped on the hand five, six different ways that corporate America might not be the place for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this whole conventional process of, of being a number versus a person was tough for me to, to digest. And my first thought was, I got to get to medical. And I did. I, Bob Clover, he's an alumni there. Bob helped me out in terms of getting externships and in front of people. And I honestly called the recruiter so much at Cardinal Health. I think she just got so tired of me. <laughs> she decided to give me a job. You know, she was like, Ron, golly, you call me every day. So here, just come in and get a job. So I was selling medical technology for them for two years until they got rid of our product. And then I transitioned over to uh, device sales for the anesthesia space at GE Healthcare for five years. And I loved it. It was an entrepreneurial space because my boss was in Chicago and both of these uh, venues. I didn't see him. I ran my own territory and I, and I busted my own butt. I was rep of the year a couple of times, which was great. I won a Mercedes Benz. I made a bunch of money. I was, that was phenomenal, but I was still unfulfilled. So I still got to a place where, you know, my family and I, we had owned one Popeye's for since 97. And I grew up in that. And my dad came to me and he said to me, come and help me. And I was like, ah, I'm making a lot of money. I'm not working a lot. You work a lot for a lot less than I make. I don't know if I want to do that. But, you know, I got bit by the bug and it, it, it put me in a position where I was thinking to myself, like, wow, this could be something I can build long term in terms of a legacy. So we got into Popeye's. Um, I quickly uh, built a location with my father, stayed on uh, at the device company for a couple more, well, about a year and a half after that. And then once I came on full time, I was actually able 
to acquire two more units and some real estate in Michigan. So got us to a point where we grew from 1.9 million upwards of 5.2 million. Uh, that was that happened in about a uh, nine month time frame. Then I bought another unit in Michigan and in its real estate turned around, uh, built another unit at Ohio State and got to just under 10 million. Uh, so that happened in about 24 months time, which is very quickly to scale that large. Uh, we sold off our real estate, got to a position where we could pay down debts, uh, which was great, uh, and put ourselves in a, in a fluid position. And then I opened Henquarter in 2017, which has been the conduit to the larger scale uh, operation that we have today. So this is a table service restaurant that's upscale Southern. Um, uh, we specialize in, in whiskeys, bourbons. We have 180 whiskeys and bourbons, uh, 700 bottles of wine. We're a three-time uh, award-winning wine location uh, through Wine Spectator. And we put all that together and that got me an opportunity to be in front of a ton of people. Uh, and then when I got in front of the right people, I joined some boards, some nonprofit boards, one of them being the Ohio Restaurant Association. I'm currently on three boards today. Um, those three boards are all unpaid boards, which, you know, it's a different conversation for a different day, yeah. Rich, but you, know, you got you to take your lumps before you yeah. get to the paid ones. So we're doing that now. And part of the ORA, I asked that question about, because um, I had sold my Popeyes before COVID started. And uh, I was itching to get back into the quick service lifestyle because it's very consistent and it's a little different than table service. I spoke to our CEO at that board at the Ohio Restaurant Association. He, he connected me with uh, Tom Krause at Donato's who is um, uh, the CEO there. And he's also uh, Jane Grody Abel's husband. So the family, um, he's married into the family, but he also runs the organization. And we sat down and had a cocktail and, and, and had a conversation. And I had actually five years prior to this July, uh, had tried to be in Donato's as diversifying our portfolio at the time. And you know, it didn't work out. They tried to put me in some territories I wasn't happy with. And, and it was all about timing. Got here at the right time. He connected me with the guys at the Titan Restaurant Group. And the rest is history. I partnered with Michael Red and his 22 Ventures organization. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Red, but he used to play for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for about 10 years. Played for the Phoenix Suns, retired from them. Um, he's an Ohio State alum. Lives in my community here in Columbus and New Albany. And uh, we connected and he's a, he's got a venture fund. And we put together some funding, raised some capital and got to a place where now we've created kind of a model through our vertical and what we're going to go after years and years to come. And we're going to continue to try to buy franchise organizations. And we've gotten to a point now where we've gone from, a, I've gone from a $1.8 million company in 2015 to now we're uh, north of 25 million. So really excited on, on, on the growth trajectory and the process that we put in place. And uh, now it's just about, you know, stabilizing and looking at other opportunities that are out there and continuing to grow as an individual and a business person. Now, those are, those are all good things. I was going to, we were going to get to the Donato's part. You, you kind of beat me to the punch there, <laughs> which is fine. Cause that's one of the things we were going to talk about is the, the company that, that you own the Ron Jordan or the, I think it's, is it just Jordan hospitality or Ron Jordan hospitality? Jordan hospitality, just okay. Jordan hospitality. Which is a, a, your, your group that's your entrepreneur group that is, that is in the franchise business. I was going to kind of ask you how you got into that, but you answered that already. And the fact that it was already something you had grown up with, with your, with your parents kind of being, in the in the Popeyes business is so I guess you kind of for lack of a better term were able to kind of cut your chops watching your parents do that and maybe what things did you learn that were either positives and then I guess yeah. what 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 mistakes did you maybe learn to avoid or have you learned yeah. to to avoid by watching your parents kind of run a franchise? Well I will tell you it started with my grandparents. Okay. Um, my grandfather went back and forth to Chicago in the 90s, mid 90s watching Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And that's when he tasted Popeye's for the first time. And was like, ah, I got to bring this back to Columbus. 
So we opened March 4th of 97. At the time I was nine years old. Um, and I cut my teeth in every place possible inside uh, and out of this restaurant, you know, from cleaning the urinals, the toilets, to uh, the cleaning the lobby, to yeah. being as high as the, as the restaurant manager. That was my job right away. It was my job through my teens. It was my job when I came home for summers and breaks during football and, and all of that. So for me, you know, that was, it was an opportunity for me to, to cut my teeth and to learn in that regard in terms of the operational capacity. And then what I learned from them was just, you know, how to put blood, sweat and tears into something, the work ethic piece, right? You know, my, my aunt was in that restaurant every day because it was my dad, it was my, it was my, uh, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, my grandfather, my cousins, my, you know, all of us together. And what we learned was, you know, the, the real purpose of, of passion and work ethic. And if you put it into place, the rest will work out, right? And it was funny because though I may seem like someone who inherited a, a business and got to that third generation space, you know, I, I actually turned us into a business. That was my thing. We were mom and pop for a long time where we were running it, where the entire staff was family, you know, for the most part. And I, I taught us scale. I, I, I tried to teach us opportunity and I taught us you know, how to make this an actual business that can be depended on through the PL and through other people versus it being something we run day to day ourselves. So they can pull out of the restaurant and start to receive passive income that way versus it being, you know, a, a, a something we relied upon in terms of working day to day. So that was how I transitioned into leadership and how we ended up growing and scaling over time and getting to where we are now. Now, the the business that you kind of have that that drew my attention, it was on your on your LinkedIn profile as you were became a multiple location franchise owner for Donato's Pizza and Donato's. Uh, it's not really to Illinois yet. I'm guessing maybe you're hoping that eventually it'll do that. <laughs> kind of a, it looks like it's mainly an Ohio thing. And it, I think your franchises, if I read correctly, are you're the, you're the one that is slowly branching them in to Indiana to try to start to get out of that just local space and become try to be more regionalized. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we have expansion goals. So uh, Donato's actually has a really interesting story. I don't know if you know a ton about them, but they're a hometown nostalgic pizza brand, edge to edge pepperonis and toppings, uh, thin crust, uh, much different than the Chicago style pizzas that you see in Illinois. Um, for me, I love it. It is something I've grown up with. The nostalgia with the brand is insane, right? It's from every birthday party to pizza party as a kid growing up, Donato's was the thing. Like that was what you order. Um, the Grody family started this brand in 1963. And then actually, I think it was in 99 when they sold to McDonald's at the time for growth and scale. McDonald's was on a buying spree. I don't know if you know much about what was going on in the news during that time with restaurants, but McDonald's bought Boston Market. They bought into Chipotle. They bought okay. um, uh, Donato's and then they were growing these units and scaling them all over the place. Well, you know, they they quickly learned that they didn't want to be in the pizza business and the family then bought it back in 2003. So there were a lot more locations nationwide when it was being run by McDonald's and but the family had to close a lot because they just weren't they weren't they weren't the right locations. There were 5000 square foot boxes. They didn't make a lot of sense uh, in terms of the long 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 term plan. They had to re-strategize and rethink things. And that's when uh, Jim, Jane, and Tom got together, figured out the secret sauce in terms of reorganizing, closing units that needed to be closed and putting themselves in a scenario where they could reinvest in the brand and, and get to a certain point. So uh, when they bought it back in 03, 
I mean, even in Indiana, there were 32 locations. We got oh, wow. 21 today. So yeah, there's a, there's a total different ballgame. But what I know now buying the market is that I have an opportunity to get back to 32, right? Yeah. The scalability. I have an opportunity to go toward Fort Wayne, to go places like Kokomo, uh, down to Bloomington. Uh, I have opportunities to go further west into central Illinois, which is part of my goal, you know, to eventually be in a place like a Charleston or a Champaign or, or you know, a, a Grand Tool, places that are in east central Illinois, all over the place, that'll be our goal is to continue to grow the brand through the Midwest uh, and what we know best. Uh, Donato's does great in small towns because it is an absolute community feel. We love the grassroots approach that the family has taken over time and reinvesting in the communities we serve. Uh, so that's part of it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of our strategy now. And then looking at other acquisition targets that are within the brand. Uh, so people that come up, you know, that are either retiring or moving on, we want to be that person that's capitalized enough to get in there and, 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 and buy those those, those locations from that person or people and uh, put ourselves in a position where we're growing a ton with the brand. We're their largest traditional franchise partner. Uh, their largest partner in general is Red Robin. Okay. Red Robin has 199 locations, uh, I think, with them, if I'm not mistaken on that number, all west of the Mississippi. Uh, so for us, we don't want to compete with that, right? Yeah. We want to get to a space where we're just growing with scale uh, as, their, as their traditional partner and continuing to invest in the brand and in places that we know and we love. Now, on your kind of as we're getting ready, close to wrapping up here, I once again I do appreciate your your time, Ron. Yeah. Is you kind of list yourself on your on the Jordan on the Jordan Hospitality Group as kind of a a foodie, and for people that don't understand what a foodie is, it's somebody yeah. that, that loves food, loves drink. <laughs> you talked about a little bit about um, hen and, hen quarter or hen and quarter. I'm not sure if I'm saying which is that's correctly, but that's your your traditional sit down restaurant that is part of your your corporation there. Is that a one that you kind of started out of a, a passion of love of being a foodie? And that is that kind of the one that, because the Donato is why, why it's great pizza. That's, you know, that's not a foodie thing. That's a, hey, I'm going to go grab pizza like you should for the birthday yeah. party and, and stuff like that. Right. So, is, so right. is the Hen and Quarter, is that more of your, that passionate one that, that, that drives into that, that sense of a foodie that you feel like you have? Well, it's funny you say that because I think my passion in general isn't food, it's people. Okay. I mean, a lot of times people get the misconception that we're in the food business. No, food is my medium, but we're in the people business, right? So for me, that's that's my passion, truly. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, I, I have a group out of D.C. that I, I, I affiliated with, Thompson Hospitality, who owned that brand already. Okay. We licensed from them, but I totally changed everything. So yes, uh, this was my ideation of what I thought a beautiful restaurant experience would be from the art we've picked out on the walls to the way we designed it to the nostalgic music that we play on a regular basis and some of the curation of the menu and the drinks that we've combined. It's all kind of my vision of what I think a great night out should be. And uh, yes, that's where the passion definitely comes from. And, and that's what's put us on this stage today to get the opportunities that we've been afforded is people being able to dine there and just seeing what we've been able to create. Um, and we've been able to create a following, a huge following, you know, and that's great. And, and it's also created something more than just a great following for our community. It's created a space for African-Americans to come and feel like they're in a different space than they ever could be, you know, to have an African-American owned restaurant in today's social climate. It's great. You know, I think, I think that's huge. I think a lot of folks will tell you it's created a, a community feel that's different than we could have ever anticipated. Like I was, I was wanting a good restaurant, right? I yeah. didn't think it would be a place that people were traveling to from Toledo, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Dayton to come in and, and join us on the weekend for food. I'm like, I'm not traveling that far for food. So yeah. <laughs> I never thought anybody else would, but 
we've created something that's different that I think the community has held on to that is embraced and that they love and enjoy. So that's part of that passion. Again, it goes to the people, it goes to our guests and our, and our staff. You know, how do we figure that out amongst the two of them and, and make it work? So that's the thing we love the most is the people and, and the passion spurns from that. And then final question I'll ask for you, if you were to sit down at, at your restaurant with your wife and if you bring your four kids with you, maybe you try to just take your wife out for, for a night to get away from, from the four kids. What's your yeah. go-to meal that you have at your restaurant then? That's a tough question. I knew you were going to ask me that. That's a very <laughs> tough question because for me, I'm extremely picky. Um, so I would probably say the thing I've been eating the most lately is our short rib. So we have a short rib on a bed of mashed potatoes. I get mine. I add green beans, got pearl onions, carrots, whole nine. Um, we, we, we slow cook that for almost a day in, in one of our ovens in the back. So that is by far and away probably one of my favorite meals right now. That or either our seafood pasta. Uh, we've got lobster and shrimp and uh, crawfish in this pasta with a penne pasta, a little kick to it, a little, little spice to it. But that's also one of the things I enjoy most about the restaurant. And then a great glass of wine, um, probably a decent vintage Cabernet. That's what I like. Or either we have our house wines that we've curated ourselves through our private label out in uh, California, a Paso Robles red and a uh, Monterey County white. So I'd have a glass of white or red. She'd probably have a glass of white. And, and then we go on kind of, kind of about our business and, uh, and enjoy it. It's tough for me, though. If I'm going on date night, I don't like to go into my own restaurant because it becomes work. Yeah. So I try to I try to get away from that and you know, get in a space where I can clear my head and not be looking at all the things that I think are going wrong at the time. <laughs> it's kind of like a coaching mentality, right? Like you don't want to be in there and you're constantly seeing the things that could be different despite the success you're having. That's that's always the challenge. No, that's good. Well, Ron, it was great catching up with you. Uh, can Continued success for you and your your ventures here is maybe one of these days you guys will be able to get you back here to Charleston or Mattoon and be able to open up one of those Donatos in the, in the local Coles County area. That would be amazing. Well, let's stay in touch, Rich, and I appreciate you and, and your time today. All right. Thank you. Best of luck.